Hello and welcome to our podcast, The Startup Story. And today our guest is Sebastian from Pick-A-Like. And um, he's also going to talk about it, what they're actually doing. So this company exists a bit longer, so around 12 years. That's why it's also now today pretty interesting to see after maybe a bit longer when you're existing, how maybe the company was changing from the beginning now and till now. But maybe first you're going to start a bit, talk a Tell a bit about you and what are you actually doing? So my name is Sebastian Kilmer. I'm the founder and CEO from Pickalike. Main objective of Pickalike is to combine computer vision with fashion experts to create the best recommendation engine for fashion companies. Um, so that we try to understand what is the taste of the end consumer and recommend the best matching fashion from a fashion store to the end consumer by extracting information from the image. So it's not what someone is typing in into their backend system, but what we see is what the customer is seeing so that we can work in a language independent version. So it doesn't matter if the person is talking German or English. Um, the information is on the image. And yeah, so that's mainly what we are doing. I myself, I'm half Brazilian, half German. I founded the company 12 years ago. I studied economics in England, um, even though I have a bit of more an English ex American accent instead of an English accent. Um, but I always worked as a developer since my 16th um, birthday. It was always easier to find a job as a developer than as working in a bar or something. Um, and as a, as a student at university, it was more flexible. When do you work and when do you go to the studies? At that time, it wasn't the remote work as it's now, but the customers didn't care if I was working at two in the morning. They just wanted to get the websites done. Yeah, that's right. This uh, could directly say also in our company, especially our developers, they're always like working in the night and it's like, I don't know why they're all they're preferring just the night times, but it's for them also like more comfortable. And this is like also like the good advantage maybe in a like a tech startup or like an IT company that you're like super flexible in your like working times. I know why because no one's gonna bother you at two in the morning. <laughs> That's why you choose to work at that time. You know, uh, when, else you're gonna get some Slack messages, emails, and whatever. Um, and when you were working very concentrated, trying to find a solution to some big problem, you really don't want people calling you. So that's that's what main reason why even I like to work at night, um, because you you you're more you can concentrate on something without anyone. Yeah, that's you. completely understandable. Now I also get the point why they are all doing it. Because sure. then you just have your quiet time and you don't need to care, like checking mails or something, if something is popping up urgent or so. Yeah. Nice. Okay, um, maybe so Pick-A-Like is now like 12 years old. Um, did you had like a point where you had the feeling when it's like from a changing a bit from a startup atmosphere or working style to the point that you're like more grown up company especially was there something uh, you would say or do you say like no we're like still a, like a more dynamic smaller team or something it depends on 
how you tend to see a startup. So it definitely, the more you, the company grows, um, the more structure you, want, you need. If you're just a, a small team of four persons, it's, you can sit on a desk and just decide everything by talking to each other. When you're a person of nearly 30 people, then it's a bit more complicated because you have different teams. You have, um, we have half or more than half of the technical team is now in Brazil and the other part is in Germany and you need to have overlapping time so that they can talk to each other. Um, and you don't want junior developers screwing, screwing up all the work the senior developers have done uh, a week ago. So you have all those versioning systems, you have to have different um, for I principles, so that multiple people have to review the code before it goes um, online. You have all those other processes. If when you have um, more people in your marketing team, you need them to to get in, ch in touch with each other, um, synchronize everything together, so that you have from the beginning, from the sales up to the customer, everything aligned. Um, this is easier when you're a small company with just a few people. Um, the more people you have, the more cultural problems you might find, um, the more bureaucracy you will need. Um, you will need people to say that they're in charge of something. Um, as, a, as a CEO, you can't be in charge of everything anymore. Um, you can't be part of everything anymore, but you still need to be informed about everything and you try to make good decisions uh, or help the team to make their decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but it changes, I would say like um, the hard cut is 20. When you get to over 20 people in your company, you're, you're spending more time um, managing people than before 20. Like 20 second person, you see like a peak that you're investing a lot more time with the complete team, talking to everyone, trying to find out what every certain person in the team needs, how you can um, help them. Mm -hmm. um, well, when you're just like 15 people, it's, it's, it's quite easier. I don't know why, but I have the feeling that like 20 is the cut. You, you step over 20, you, you start thinking about, I need someone for the HR. Um, but, you but when you're 20, you don't have enough work for someone in the HR yeah. and so you have to see it that you get to 50 people uh, over 50 I would say then you're you're at the moment where you might need someone for the HR mm -hmm. so yeah your role from the beginning till now like completely changes because totally. of the the tasks you're actually doing in the beginning maybe you you said you uh, were a developer so you started yourself I would suggest uh, yeah. think that you I, I started the company doing everything um, I, I developed the first version, I was doing the sales, I was trying to do the marketing, the networking, going to presentations, doing everything. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning you think that, that this is a really good solution because you're not spending so much money for the whole team. Um, but at the end, it means that you're doing everything a bit. And for the beginning it might be okay, but since when the company starts growing you can't be doing a bit of everything. You need to have people doing the whole thing right um, for each task. And uh, yeah, so 
I started developing it, doing the marketing, and then you start finding people who help you develop it. Then you find people to help you on the marketing, and then you start trying to help the people from the development. Then you start helping people from the marketing. So after a certain point, the role changes. So people are not helping you. You start trying to help the people. And after a while, you start concentrating more on management stuff, which I wouldn't say is something that every startup people wants to do. After we, we, we had the discussion a few years ago if we wanted to um, get an employed CEO, mm -hmm. someone who likes to do the management and so that I can still concentrate on doing technology, machine learning and so on. Um, but at the end, we decided that I would continue doing it and finding experts for the machine learning part. Okay, yeah, pretty interesting that you said like now your role was completely changing and that like your part was like that you're more managing now the people. But what is, was it like a bit complicated for you when you like say, okay, I'm like more the development person, but I would like to know, go now more in the CEO role, like managing the people so I can also like create maybe the vision of my company, which I define. So why, what was actually the point that you said, okay, no, I don't want to like hire a CEO for it. I still want to do it on myself. So maybe. Exactly what, what you said. It's, um, it's all about the vision. I didn't think that, or me and the, my partners, we didn't think that hiring someone to do the CEO part would continue the vision that we have, um, where the company would go. And so we rather decided to get people to manage um, the different departments and different teams um, and keeping me as a CEO for the vision, where we want to go and continue growing the company, continue our internationalization. Um, not only inter international customers, but international team support. Because in Germany, it's quite hard to find people at the moment. It doesn't matter which part. Um, and so we said, okay, let's internationalize on both ends. Um, we are focusing more on international customers um, and growing a bit out from Germany, and at the same time, growing with the team out of Germany. But it all began a bit about with Corona. Like a lot of the startups might start the story with when Corona came. Um, we had an office in the Rutenbaumchaussee, which is a, it's close to the university here in Hamburg. And it's one of the more expensive parts. And then came Corona. And so we switched to a co-working space, something that I never wanted. Um, we switched to home office, something that I never liked, and we have remote work, which I expected to fail um, three years ago when, if, if, if before Corona came and said, Sebastian, how about going to work, um, to a co-working space, having people from Germany to work in the home office and getting some developers in Brazil? I would say no. Um, but through Corona, we were forced to go in this new work area. Mm -hmm. um, and today, I have to say, it was one of the, the best experiments that we made. Um, people are better motivated. It's easier to try new ways of work. Um, it's better to rely on your people than put them on 
really hard uh, working environments. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is exactly a it is discussion at the moment that like most of the companies said, no, um, I'm not able to trust my employees when they're just working from home and somewhere else in the world. Um, but I think like Corona changes like completely because then they were like in the situation that they need to do this now with this new work uh, models and they don't have any reasons why they they don't uh, yeah want to try it out at the moment. Um, so would you say that this this way that you just Corona pushed you in this situation that you like the most of it were just like an advantage and like a valuable uh, yeah thing what you made with this or would you say like maybe we need we need some work in the office and some remote so we need to find a middle ways if it's not like one extreme to the other um, we had to learn some hard uh, lessons um, it's not just like okay it's it's not plug and play you decide to get people to work remote and it, it works uh, we had some fuck ups of people to um, who uh, they disconnected the camera and were in a meeting and then you when no one was talking you could hear them snore <laughs> so you knew okay this guy is gonna get fired because <laughs> he's just sleeping during a meeting I, I, so we had we had to create a lot of rules and um, culture for this type of work mm -hmm. um, you have to have a bigger um, you have to rely on your people. You have, and, and, and you have to tell them that if something, if, if certain things happen, we're not going to talk about, oh, did this happen? You're just going to get fired. It's just don't do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's just don't do it. That's um, what, what we expect people to know from the company's culture. But from people that I know um, from other startups and from other companies, it's not a lot of people like we were forced to go into this um, home office remote work. Um, we saw that it's, um, even though it's not perfect, uh, it helps. Like one of the downsides is you have less social. Um, you don't have the kitchen talk. People going in there and say, hey, how are you doing? You have very effective meetings. Making it very effective means also that there is no social part in a meeting. People are coming in, they're, t they're telling their problems. You find a solution and they're gone. Yeah. Um, you don't know what happened before, you don't know what happens after. So it happened that you have a meeting and someone is just not feeling very well or is upset about something. You make a joke and the person is really upset. It's like furious and just goes out of your, your conversation. Because you didn't know that this person had, I don't know, a, a bad morning. Something happened. And they're not going to go into a video call and say, oh, I'm totally stressed. Please don't make stupid jokes. Like, no one starts no. like this. No, they just say, hey, good morning. And, and, and sometimes people come into a meeting and you don't even see them, depending on which video conference tool you're using. You see is online. And then you make a joke and then bloop, person left. 
and then you have to ask why. I said, yeah, I didn't like the joke. And what? So you don't have, you don't know the story before, you don't know the story after a meeting. You, you're losing a lot of the, the connection. And it's harder to get a we feeling into a, me, into a company. Saying people to, to know that they're in a team and not doing just a job. So um, on this remote work, you, you, you get the problems of a corporate, even though when you're like just 20 in a team. Because um, in a corporate company with like 5,000 uh, employees, they don't know each other. And working remote, you just don't have the kitchen talk, you don't have, you don't go into the office and go, hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. oh, you're new, hey, my name is Sebastian, what are you doing here, oh, fine, good work, I'll see you later, and, and then you go on. And um, you, it's hard to get to know each other, not only what the person knows, like what are the skills that the person has, but who is this person? Yeah. And um, this, is, this, this, is, this makes it, even for a smaller team, um, more complicated, um, and because everything is more anonymous, um, and this is more of a copy of a problem you have on big teams and big corporates. But for this is also a solution, like having a, a monthly get together breaks the ice a bit, gives an insight into everyone. And um, what we do is we have more time before the meeting. So we try to get something about five and 10 minutes for the meetings, have some time after the meeting just to have some jokes, to have some ice-breaking questions, um, letting people know each other. Yeah, that's right. So for me, like, I know like, all the skills which my team has and what they are doing and, and which time and what they are good in, but I don't know which hobbies they have, for example. So this is like super complicated just to come to this point that your, like, your team knows each other also on another level than just like this business level meeting and then okay bye have a nice day and that's it so you're not you're just having like this normal question in the beginning oh everything is fine yes yes okay perfect then we can start so this is like i think then you just need to find ways that you can combine actually these two words um, in each other yeah this is a process we are also learning um, on how to get more we inside of remote. Yeah, right. So yeah, thank you for like, the in introduction so for the remote words. Um, but maybe it's another like challenge you've gone through this last 12 years. In sure, sure. Um, I would say, so the first lesson we learned um, when we founded the company is that just because we thought that our product was ready for the market, doesn't mean the market is ready for your product. So when we started, machine learning and image recognition wasn't hype. So you go there and you pitch your product and people say like, uh, no. And but it works. Now we have never seen machine learning work. And two years later, um, 2010, we found it, 2012 uh, was like the, the start of this machine learning area where you have Siri and Alexa and Tesla and self-driving cars and self-flying uh, drones and all this. 
and suddenly you're, you're hype. You're just there where, where everything is interesting and wow, oh, your machine knows what people are looking for, for products. Oh, you, your machine can create outfits. This is so awesome. Um, from the same person that maybe two years ago said, I, I don't really care. Um, so you have to know if your timing is everything. Knowing, so there were platforms just before YouTube and there wasn't this um, video integration into the browser, so you had to download something, made it harder, so that's why other platforms uh, failed. And for nearly everything that already exists, there is someone doing the timing right. And I think this is like the, what gives you an extra. So when, you, when, when we start, if I would start a new startup, I would check if my timing is correct. Yeah, um, if the market is ready for If it. the market is ready for what you, you want to put into the market. Or else you're, you, you will be putting something into the market. You will be burning uh, contacts and, and effort for people saying, we're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side, you never know. Maybe you're the person who's making this market ready for it. So, but you have to know that sometimes you think that your product is really awesome and it's just market ready but other people might not understand what you're trying. Yeah, you always need to figure out, actually, if like other person's also seeing it, like what you see, or like you say now, okay, we have like this nice product, but maybe company said, okay, yeah, this is pretty good what you're making, but in two years, we are also on this point that we're gonna use it. So this, this first uh, like target group or personal customers to find, I think this is always like the tricky, trickiest part when you're starting. Yeah, exactly. So um, one, one, one um, tip I always give to startuppers is that when you're, when you're starting with something very innovat innovative, um, I would suggest to even try to pitch it to a, the largest audience you can find, like doing 20 pitches a day. You will get really, really high amount of people saying, I don't want it. Because innovation is not something everyone wants, but innovation is something that some special people are, are ready to, to, to start using. But to find them, this is the hard job. So maybe just 1% of the people you're gonna be talking to are open enough to try something totally new. And when they did it and they find they're gonna be like the, the, the people pushing you to the next level, they say, this is really good, it worked for me. And they're gonna be open enough to tell others that this really worked for them. Um, they will give you references, they will introduce you to other people and then things are gonna be start rolling. And the people you, you talk, so don't be afraid of, of talking to a lot of people and getting a lot of no. Because people who are gonna give you a no, they won't remember you when you come a year or two later, uh, later to pitch it again. Uh, and they're saying yes, because when they just see, oh, this is really new, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to touch it, I'm, I'm afraid, this is gonna cost my job or whatever, and they're just gonna, um, throw it away from their list, and they're gonna forget about it. It's really rare that people come, oh yeah, you came two years ago and presented this, this was really new, and I didn't like it at that moment, but now it's the perfect time. I've never seen this. They're gonna say, oh, why didn't you come earlier? You're not gonna say, I did.
But, um, but this is what, what, what the reality is. You might have already pitched it. They didn't have the time or the interest at that moment. You're going to forget about you, pitch it again. It's not yeah. going to. So sales is like the hardest job. And this is something that a lot of startups that I have been getting to know in the past 12 years, they're really technology driven. And you have a really good tech guy, you have a system guy, you have machine learning guy, and you have no one for sales. Um, so you have to focus also on this part because this is gonna keep your company alive while you're trying to grow it. Yeah, sure, because like otherwise when you don't have any customers, it's not gonna working out. And also as, as you said, like with this, like keep pitching it. I also have like this experience when I um, just started with Botox, before we had like contact to lots of companies and then I get in contact again with them and I was like, yeah, okay, we already know you. Um, I have your, like, your name and our sales tool and then they're like, oh no, I didn't actually know that we were in contact with you or with the company. Mm -hmm. And so th this is also we, we experience always and now I never tell them that we were in contact before, I just, <laughs> starting again, telling what we're doing and like how we improve and all the stuff and then just, yeah, just keeping again um, and try to, try to lead this, um, this customer actually. Yeah, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's a tiresome job that needs to be made. That's right, yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Sebastian, uh, for all your insights from your last 12 years uh, sharing us with us. Um, I hope you liked it also, and of course, um, check out, pick a like, what they're doing, and we see us ne next week again. Thank you. <laughs>